0: hi everyone welcome back to this week's episode so this week i actually went onto my instagram which is the same name as this podcast and opera ghost for anyone who doesn't know and maybe wants to follow me or something um so i went on to my instagram story and i had people submit their unpopular phantom and love never dies opinions and I am doing sort of a companion post. So on my Instagram, when this podcast episode goes up, on my Instagram, there is a post of 18 unpopular opinions um, from both shows. And so I actually got, I was only able to do 18. I did two per slide because Instagram only lets you have 10 slides. So the first slide sort of said what it was, and then there were nine more slides that had 18 of them. Because um, I didn't want to, you know, put like five on each slide or something. I wanted to keep it relatively simple and easy to read. So I did get a lot more than 18. So what I decided to do was um, to not only give my Sort of response or I guess reaction to these unpopular opinions, but this actually has seven more. I think eighteen plus seven is twenty five, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Obviously, math. Um, I've been away from it for a while, so I have to uh, jog my memory. So uh, this week's episode will be 25 unpopular Phantom and Love Never Dies opinions submitted by people who follow me on Instagram. And um, on on the Instagram post, I didn't respond to any of them. I just posted them and then other people were responding in the comments. So this is my official sort of response to them. So let's get started. Alright, so these aren't in any particular order. I did put some that were similar next to each other, but you know, I didn't purposely, besides ordering them or trying to order them sort of by the kind of question it was, like if it was about the movie or something versus like the 25th anniversary, like I tried to sort of put those in order, but otherwise they're not in any specific order. So, number one, we're really just starting right off the bat strong here. Number one, Christine doesn't owe the Phantom anything, and she made the right choice going off with Rao. I mean, I think, I I agree with that. I think, you know, the Phantom sort of inserts himself in Christine's life. You know, it's not like she was actively seeking out a masked man, like, in a mirror. You know, um, he sort of, you know, sort of approaches her in a sense and inserts himself into her life. So, you know, it's not like she was seeking it out and therefore maybe owes him something in return for it. I do think that she made the right choice in the context of the show and the time period because young women of that age, you know, they were expected to marry a man. And, you know, Raoul is handsome. He cares for Christine. He offers her financial stability. Um... At least in the first show, <laughs> we see what happens in Love Never Dies. But, you know, it seems like more so the obvious choice that Christine would go off with Rouse. So I do agree with that. Um, number two, and remember, all of these opinions they weren't submitted by me; they were submitted by others. So, like, if I read one of these and you're like, "Wait a minute, what? This was not submitted by me," <laughs> so gone down. Um, number two, I don't like Meg, and I don't think she's necessary. Um. I disagree. Now, she might not be relevant, I guess, to, like, the main love triangle. But then again, the managers aren't, and Carlotta isn't, and Madame Giry isn't. But they provide, um, first of all, they provide a little bit of a break from the main trio. Because, listen, if you had to see a show that just had three characters in it, it would have to be really, really, really entertaining. (laughs) Um, You know, Other characters are there to provide characterization, to provide context, to help flesh out um, the story a bit more. What I like about the character of Meg is that, um, at least in the musical at least, because she is different than in the book. But what I like about Meg is that not only does it show that, hey, you know, Christine... She does have a masked man coming out of um, her mirror, and, you know, she is in a bit of a peculiar situation, but she is also kind of normal, and, you know, she has friends like Meg, and, you know, I think it's, it's nice to see her have someone that she can confide in that's not a male. So, yeah, I mean, while Meg might not be, I guess, the most important character in the story or the one that the story sort of centers around, I think that she, like the other supporting principal characters, do serve a purpose. Um, You know, she is a confidant. She's a friend for Christine. Um, You know, in the book, she's more of almost like a little bit more gossipy and whatnot. Um, So, you know, I think maybe in the book she has a bit more of a role and maybe is a bit interesting, but I still do think that she serves a purpose in the musical. All right, number three. As much as I'm an Eric simp, Christine and Ral are soulmates, hands down. Uh, you know, this sort of, I guess, would relate to my answer in the first one where I agreed that Christine made the right choice going off with Ral. I mean, Eric, you know, the Phantom, and Christine. It's not a very healthy relationship when you think about it. But I know, you know, the way that, especially recently, the way, um, you know, after the Ramin Karimlu era, I know that, um, you know, the Phantom is perceived by many to be, you know, a very mysterious, sexy, dark side figure. And I mean, listen, I get that. You know, you watch some Phantoms, like I've watched some Phantoms, and you're like, yep, mm mm-hmm, they're doing something right. (laughs) So, you know... I definitely, you know, will watch, like, if it's a good music of the night or a good Point of No Return, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to see them, you know, get together. But at the same time, first of all, Christine and Raoul's relationship is much more healthy than the Phantom and Christine's. So I just, I think that they just have more in common, and they blend better. So I, you know, if you look at Love Never Dies, are is Raoul and Christine, are they soulmates? Maybe depending on the actor maybe they are maybe they're not but i think that they're the best choice for christine now 4 and 5 are actually quite similar and it was interesting to sort of read these two like on the same screen when i looked at the responses it was interesting to read them because they're you know, complete opposite. So basically, uh, number four is the movie wasn't good, the 2004 movie. And number five is the movie wasn't as good as the stage show, but still enjoyable to watch. So, you know, opposites from one another. I would agree probably more with number five. I think I think that the musical is better. I think that the movie, you know, I think it has a lot of grandness and splendor to it. Um, I think that the main issue was some of the casting choices um, and, you know, the voices. But um, when I sit down and I watch the movie, I don't walk away from it regretting all of my life decisions. Um, You know, I can still sit down, watch it, and take away the good stuff that there is in there. So do I think it's as good as the musical? like are the stage version of the musical no but I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life so um number six the supporting principal cast was better than the trio in the 2004 movie um I'm kind of torn on this one because I think that Patrick Wilson who was Rao in the 2004 movie I thought that he was very good he is a theater, or he, you know, has done theater in the past, so I feel like out of the entire trio, he was the most qualified to be in the movie. Um, so I I did like him. I liked that, you know, he works his butt off to, you know, save Christine, and he does care about her. Um, so I don't entirely agree that the main trio was worse than the supporting principal cast. But, um, I also agree with this one because, you know, um, Minnie Driver who played Carlotta, she didn't sing the role, but I think, you know, she had a good sort of diva-ness about her. I liked the managers. I liked Madame Giri. I liked Meg. Um, I liked Piangi. I think, you know, he was, you know, good with what he had to do. So, I agree that the supporting principal cast was stronger than the trio overall, but I did like um, Patrick Wilson. And I mean, there were some things about Gerard and Emmy that I did like as well. But I think overall, the supporting principal cast might have been a bit stronger. Alright, now, number seven. This one I think is sort of interesting. This person said, I don't think enough up-and-coming actresses get the chance to play Christine. It's often known actresses. Now, I'm assuming by known actresses, they mean within the theater community because, you know, there hasn't, I don't think, ever been true, like, stunt casting for Christine. Um, so... You know, I mean, I get where they're, I get what they're saying. There have been times, maybe more so in, in the U.S., maybe, where they will cast actresses who have been in other productions or are a bit more well-known within the theater community, like Sierra Bogus, for example. They will put, um, or, you know, even, you know, before then, like in the 90s or 2000s, like, um you know, like someone like maybe Sandra Joseph or um, Lisa Roman. you know, people who have been in the show for a long time, have been in theater for a while and are known. That does happen, Um, and I think it has its benefits to it because you get a very solid Christine who knows what's up. But I think that there have been, though, a fair share of new actresses. Um, You know, you have someone like Caelan Voorhees who literally... Graduated from college and then started in the role um you know you do even if it's they're not straight from college, you know you have women like Lucy St. Louis who you know she's been in some shows but she doesn't have like you know you know like twenty thirty shows under her belt um, that she's been in, or you know you might have someone like um like Julia Eudine, who was very um you know young when she started out you know didn't have a ton of shows under her belt either. So I mean, I th- I see where they're coming from, but I think that there has been a bit more of a healthy mix. I think in recent years we've seen productions sort of take their chances with newer actresses, um, which is great to see. I think in the early vintage days of Phantom, um, there was a sort of push maybe to have established actresses already be in the part, maybe because it was so demanding or something. But I think that there's a new energy with Phantom. You know, the show itself, even though it's, you know, 35 years old, it feels younger in a sense. You know, they've sort of made everyone a little bit younger, um, which again has its pros and cons. So I think that over the years there's been a healthy mix, but I get it. I get it. All right, next one. Carlotta is more misunderstood than the Phantom. Um, I mean, I don't know if she's more misunderstood. I mean, maybe because you see more of the Phantom and you might be able to Relate to him a bit more because he's shown more. I feel like Carlotta, you know, the Phantom gets presented at his most powerful and at his most vulnerable throughout the show. Whereas Carlotta, you don't really see her presented in a more, you know, emotional, vulnerable state. She's very much, you know, in diva mode and in sass mode all the time throughout the show. So the audience might not think about that side to Carlotta. But I do think that she is maybe just as misunderstood as the Phantom, maybe for different reasons. Um because you know, Carlotta, she's in the musical, she's well established, she's talented. You know, she's built a whole career for herself. She's, you know, the main star of, you know, arguably the most famous opera house in the world. You know, built herself up and this girl comes in. <laughs> You know, this masked man sabotages her constantly and this young girl comes in and gets this huge break that Carlotta probably never got and she's like, well, wait a minute, I worked my butt off. Why does she get to have this debut and just get it handed to her almost on a silver platter? So I do think she's misunderstood maybe just as much as the Phantom, but I don't know if the musical presents it as much. So the audience sort of has to maybe think about it for a minute, whereas they might not have to think about it as much with The Phantom. All right, next one. Sierra Boggess is a solid Christine, but she's only done the role so long because she's a favorite of the creative team. Um, oh, boy, we're really getting into it. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, first of all, she really hasn't... It seems like she has because she's done the role in... What, she's done four runs and then a run in Love Never Dies. So, you know, I mean, she's been in like five productions or five runs as Christine, including the one with with Love Never Dies. Um, I mean, listen, first of all, I mean, since she's been with the show off and on since 2006, up until you know, I guess like 2016 when she was supposed to do the Paris production. I guess it seems like she's been with the show for a long time. But her runs, I mean, she had a year in Vegas. She did, I forget how long it was in Love Never Dies, maybe a year, close to a year, Um, a little over a year. I don't even know. Um, I have to look back. Um, And then she did three shows for the 25th anniversary, and then she did a few months for the 25th anniversary on Broadway. And then another few months in 2014 with Norm. And then she did rehearsals but never got to do any shows for Paris. So while it seems like she's been with the show for a long time, she hasn't really had super long runs. The longest she's had is maybe like a year or a little over a year. But setting that aside... um, I mean, I I agree, but I also disagree a little bit. I think Sierra. I mean, if you've been following me, listening to this podcast, Sierra is um, one of the most popular Christines. But she she's a lot of people's favorites. She's not my favorite. That does not mean that I don't like her. That doesn't mean I don't think she's good. I think she's very good. I don't think that she would still, you know, I don't think that she would have been in the show. Um, if the people in charge didn't think that she was good enough to do it, because there are many actresses that they could choose who are good to do this role. Um, I think that she's very good. However, um, I do think that because she is a favorite of Andrew Lloyd Webber, how Prince liked her, um, Karen McIntosh seems to like her as well, I think that it has definitely helped her because, as we've seen, she was in Vegas. Um, but since then, she has been in... The times she's been in Phantom were for big milestones, like 25th Anniversaries, or the first Black Phantom on Broadway, or, um, or, you know, the sequel, Love Never Dies. So I think that if she wasn't such a favorite, I don't know if she would have been in it all those times. I think she would have been in it in Vegas. Um maybe Love Never Dies, you never know. Maybe the 25th, but in terms of like coming back to be with Norm, um you know, besides them starring in The Little Mermaid together and being friendly, there wasn't really a huge reason why they had to bring her back besides the fact that she knows Norm and is very close with him and that, you know, she is very well liked. So I agree that it's probably helped, but also I think that the creative team are very fond of her for a reason, and that reason being that, while she isn't my favorite, Christine, and I think that there are Christines who are just as good as her, um, she is very good. She's very good. Um, so I get why the creative team likes her, but I do think having the creative team, you know, be so fond of her has helped. So, you know, I feel like sort of one one part of the question works for the other, almost, or the opinion. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, uh, next one, <laughs> moving on. Uh, number 10, none of the non-replicas will ever live up to the original. <sighs> hmm. Well, I mean, listen, I think with non-replicas, um, because they're non-replicas and they're not the original version of the show they're always going to be compared to the original. So I don't think, unless you don't like the original version of a show, I don't think that any non-replica with any show will ever fully live up to the original because it will always be compared to the original version. But I will say, the original is the original. We know it's top tier. But there have been some non-replicas that have gotten very close to being just as good. Um, Like uh, the Oslo production that they did, you know, in Norway, the non-replica. I think overall, the Czech production, very good. Um, The Hungarian production, there are some things in each of them that I'm like, eh, well, maybe not. But overall, they are very, very good, and I do like them. So will it ever live up? I mean, I feel like, again, that's your own sort of personal opinion. Um, number 11, another non-replica one. Non-replicas are sometimes just as good, um, but they don't get enough love just because they aren't the original or in London or Broadway. Um, you know, another non-replica one sort of opposite of the last opinion, um, and sort of ties into what I said for the last one, you know, they're always going to be Compared. Um, but again, you know, non replicas, a lot of them are very good. And, you know, with different shows, there might be a non replica that is just as good as the original. But because it's not the original that everyone knows, and it's not, you know, even replica productions of Phantom, if they're in, you know, Korea or Sweden or whatever, if they're not in London or on Broadway, they often do get a little bit push to the side maybe not as much now because there's social media and there's a bit more access to it but like the original Swedish production in the 90s um or 89 it opened um but you know the original Swedish production for example um you know if you weren't in Sweden you probably weren't hearing a lot about that in you know the United States or in London um you know, when they did the revival in 2016, you got a lot more content from it because the actors had social media, you know, there's just an easier way to reach across a pond or an ocean and, you know, give people information that there wasn't, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, But I still think that that does stand. I think that non-replicas or even replica productions internationally, if they're not on London, on on the West End or on Broadway, they're not going to get as much attention. Because, you know, Broadway, the West End, they're the big staples, you know, they're, you know, English speaking, you know, everyone knows them. So, you know, that sort of comes with the territory, I guess. Number 12, the U.S. tour, meaning the restaged one, um, was good. It just wasn't as good as Maria Bjornson's design. I agree. When I went to see it, I saw the restaged tour five times. Um, you know, again, similar to, I mean, it is sort of a non-replica in a sense, um, but similar to the previous ones, um, you know, people go into it, Comparing it to the original, and I mean, I guess sort of, sort of that, um, sort of that comes from the fact that it was advertised as the same show but more spectacular. So I feel like it was almost sort of putting it into people's minds that oh yeah, we should see if it really is. Let's compare it to the original. Um, Whereas regular non replicas around the world, they're like we're a non replica, so that's what you should expect coming into it. Um, you know, listen, when I went to see the Restage Tour, I went with an open mind, being like, it's not going to be the original, so don't expect it to be, you know? And I think that that helped me be able to pick out what I liked and just enjoy it overall. I did enjoy it. The five times I saw it, I had a good time, I had a good night out, um... But, I mean, listen, Maria Bjornson, How Prince, Jillian Lynn, their version is untouchable. We know that. We can accept that. The restaged tour is a different telling of the show. And that's that's it. Um, next one, moving right along, number 13. Love Never Dies Isn't That Bad. I agree. Um, there are some things in the plot which I think um, could be ironed out a little bit maybe tweaked but the music I think is stunning I think in the different productions we've had there have been good in them there have been eh in them I think that the Australian version has some gorgeous sets and costumes um London had some good ones as well I think there was also a Denmark production that did, that did their own sets and costumes. That was gorgeous. I think most people will agree that it's really sort of the plot that sometimes gets them. But the way that I look at it is, and I remember, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Nadim Neman. I'm so butchering his name, but he was Ral in London. Um, and he said, I view Love Never Dies as just one of the ways That it could have wound up. There are many different ways that Phantom could have, you know, ended up in the future. This is just one of them. And I agree with that. You know, I think like the restage tour, you have to go into it with an open mind. And knowing that, hey, you know, the original show is what it is. And this is just a telling of how things could have gone. I don't think you're going to have a bad time if you see it. I think you're like, oh, Okay all right, or you really enjoy yourself, whatever it is, but I feel like a lot of people, they sometimes maybe jump on a bandwagon and say, oh, it's horrible, yada, 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 not every part of it is horrible, and I think as a fan, I think fans can accept that it's not all bad, some of it just is. (laughs) Now, 14, this one, um, i mean i'm I'm just gonna read it, and you'll everyone will take it how they take it. Lucy St Louis, who is the first black Christine in London um Lucy St. Louis was good when I saw her, but I think she is getting a lot of hype because she is the first black London Christine and not because of what actually of what people actually think of her acting. well, you know, I think that. Her casting, you have to look at it sort of as two-sided because I think that she deserves the hype for being the first black London Christine because that is a barrier that is broken and it's an achievement and it's a milestone Um, and it's history-making. But I definitely know that some people are going to take that hype and be like, oh, she's the best Christine ever whether she is or isn't, is up to personal opinion. But I think that her getting hype over being the first black Christine in London and how she actually does the role, they are two separate things to me. Some people might not be able to, you know, sort of find that line in between. Um, But to me, you know, I think that the hype that she's getting is she's she deserves it but I also think that it's unfair to you know say that she is so amazing in actually in her acting and actually doing the role just because she's history making you know what I mean like maybe that's confusing but like what I'm trying to say is you know I love that she's the first black Christine in London I love that we are finally getting some much-needed diversity But I think that people, when they see her or listen to her, they have to sort of realize that, you know, listen, I have to judge what I think of her based on how she does the part. I can't automatically say that she is amazing before I've even seen her or heard her just because she's broken a barrier. You know, they're two separate things. I hope I'm sort of making myself clear with that. Um... Next one, the London production of Love Never Dies is visually the worst, Denmark was very lovely, and the Australian version is the best. Um I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, the London production, I feel like they sort of tried to go with Hal Prince's black box theory, so like, not having a ton of stuff... And letting the audience fill in the rest. And I it worked for Phantom. I don't know if it works with Love Never Dies. I feel like with Love Never Dies, you have to sort of fill in some stuff. You know, you have to sort of have the sets and everything. Um, there were some stuff in the London production that I did visually like. You know, I loved the carriage that came out. And it had, like, this mystical-looking horse (laughs) attached to it. I really liked that. There were some visual stuff that I liked. Um, I I like the Australian version more visually. I think that it had some beautiful sets, and it fleshed things out. The London production often sort of looked a bit bare, a bit dark, and... In some scenes, that might be good, but in other scenes, it, I don't think it really worked at all. Denmark, um, they were sort of a non-replica. They did their own sets and costumes and things, but I really liked what they did with theirs as well. They sort of took from the Australian production and fleshed things out and had bigger sets and colorful sets and all that. So I liked that as well. Uh, 16, the Dutch production is one of the best ever and never gets talked about like so many older productions. Um, you know, when I talked about the non-replicas not getting a ton of love because they're not on the West End or Broadway, it sort of translates here as well. You know, you know, international productions, older, you know, more vintage, pre like two thousand even, you know, um, before the internet really kicked off with social media, they're always going to be under the radar. Um, I think just because they were around in the pre-internet days when they didn't, you know, release as many photos and videos and stuff. Um, so, you know, unfortunately that how it is, but the Dutch production is really good. Um, I love the cast album The video's great, really solid, really good cast. Love it. All right, 17. (laughs) This one is probably not controversial, but it's probably like the one that really stood out to me. And I was like, yep, I was expecting this one. Um, 17, the 25th anniversary cast is not the only good cast. They can be your favorites, but don't tear down on other casts and or not give them a chance. Wow. I agree with this one. <laughs> um, listen, I like the 25th anniversary cast. I think that they're all good, but it's true. They're not the only good cast. They're not, you know, they're just not. Um, there are many casts that I have seen that are just as good, give you the same amount of emotion and chemistry and all that. And, you know, there are different casts. So, The 25th anniversary cast, it's not the only good cast. Now, if someone says to me, oh, the 25th anniversary cast, it's the one that I watched first. It's my favorite cast. I totally get that. I love that for you. I really, really do. The original London cast was my first cast that I listened to. It got me into Phantom. It's a very popular cast that sometimes, you know, people don't entirely like sometimes. I totally get that. And if the 25th anniversary cast is your favorite that's great and that can, that is totally valid but what I don't like is when people especially when it first came out um and then there was like the streaming last year you saw a lot of people go oh my god this is the cast the only cast the best cast I can't even watch other casts because they're the only cast are the only ones that are any good you know they've sort of ruined other casts for me honey <laughs> If you gave it a chance and watched a few other casts, I'm sure that you would have, you know, just as good of an experience as you do. Um, or, you know, sometimes I see people, you know, there will be a Christine on a video or something like on YouTube and they'll say, well, she's good. But Sierra Bogus is the only Christine. And I'm like, Sierra doesn't have to come into this conversation at all. She's not in the video. <laughs> you know, you can just say, this actress is good the end. You know, you don't have to say, but she's not as good as Sierra. Because that comparison, I mean, it can be hurtful, really, you know. Um, And you know, I don't think even if you have a favorite cast, which I have a lot of favorite casts, you shouldn't use them to invalidate other casts. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, 18, Christine should get the last bow. I talked about this on the podcast episode that i did about fan debates which you can listen to if you haven't um and you know listen i think in the context of the show people sort of expect i think the Phantom to come out since he is the title character i think if they did have christine bow last. I mean, she is on stage the most. She does the most work. You know, she needs the most probably physical stamina and vocal stamina to get through the show. So, I mean, listen, me personally, I don't have a preference. If she came out last, that would be cool. If the Phantom comes out last, that's cool too. Um, If the actors in the roles aren't offended um, by who gets to go out first, then I, I don't I don't know if we should worry too much about that. Um, next one. There should be more rock star phantoms. Kind of like, but not really, um, Paul Stanley. Um, I mean, I feel like Tim Hauer, who was recently the phantom in London, I feel like he would be sort of the prototype for what this person means. Because um, Tim Hauer, he had he's part of like a rock band, I think. But, you know, he came on stage had this well-thought-out interpretation of the Phantom, sounded amazing, and had sort of a rock quality to his voice, but musical theater as well. Like, you got a little bit of, like, this rock-pop sound, but nowhere near the point of, like, overbearing Steve Harley, you know, kind of a thing. So, I mean, if it was someone like that, yeah. But Paul Stanley, I mean, the guy, he seemed to love the role. He tried his best. We appreciate that in this house. But if they have another Paul Stanley in the Phantom, eh. (laughs) that sounds mean. But, you know, listen, when you do something like that, Paul Stanley, he might be a rock star singer for a living. But he's not musical theater. You need to have the voice to sing the part. And while he was all right, he didn't have the voice. Someone like Tim Hauer, who does give you that, who is in a rock band, who has that rock star vibe, but he also has the voice to sing the part, that would be something that I would be on board for. Uh, number 20, um, Phantom should have had more Korean productions in the Korean language. Yes, 100%. Yes, The Korean productions, they've been in Korea in uh, the English-speaking world tour uh, productions. But in terms of actual Korean productions, there's only been two. There are soundtracks for both. Oh my god, I love them. I love the Korean productions that we've had. And yes, it is time that we have another one because I mentally, spiritually, and physically need it. Um, (laughs) I do. It would be amazing um 21 the manager scenes aren't entirely vital to the story i don't really know why they're there to be honest um listen as i said before with meg i think that the supporting principal cast does serve a purpose um the manager scenes no they're not entirely vital to the trio the love triangle but first of all they serve as some comic relief Or comedic relief, I think is the term. Um, Second of all, they help to show that the Phantom is sort of omnipresent. Because we only, most of the time, we only see the effect that the Phantom has on Christine. So it's nice to see, not only does he affect Christine's life, but he's affecting literally everyone in that opera house. Um, And you know, listen, I mean, number three... It's it's different, you know. The first manager scene and then prima donna. That's really the first time since Hannibal that we have some new cast members, you know. um, You know, before that, it's Ral and Christine and the Phantom, and it's amazing. But you know, it's nice to see other characters, and you have prima donna where they're singing on top of one another, and it's so beautifully complicated. And I mean, I, lo- I really like the scenes, and I think that they do serve their purpose, and they are good for characterization and all that. Because imagine, if you had Hannibal, where you're introduced to the managers and Madame Jury and Meg and Carlotta and Piangi, and then you didn't have the manager scene in the middle of Act One you really wouldn't have much more characterization. At the end of it, you'd be like, wait a minute, why were we introduced to these characters anyways? So I think that they, you know, they might not be as well known as, you know, Music of the Night and, you know, Point of No Return and all that. But I I think that they're good and I think that they serve their purpose. All right, 22. I like the Vegas Wigs the best out of all the productions. The Vegas Wigs... Um, they were really in the style of the U.S. I think, you know, the Vegas wigs, they might have maybe been a bit more poofy because they played to such a big audience that, you know, they had usually a bit more intense makeup and maybe a little bit bigger hair, but they were overall the same as the wigs used in U.S. tours and Broadway. I mean, I've always liked the U.S., um, wigs, I think that with the U.S. costumes, you know, it, it blends very well. It has, you know, those tight little ringlets, um, you know, very signature Christine look. Um, I mean, I think I like, I don't know if I like them the best. I think they're on the same level for me as like the German wigs or like the UK wigs. You know, there are many different styles of wigs that I like, but, I I do like the Vegas slash US wigs as well. All right, 23. I do genuinely love Christine's point of no return dress, but I can't get over the fact that it looks like a pumpkin. (laughs) This one made me really laugh when I saw it. And now I can't really unsee it. (laughs) Um, I mean, hey, uh, good for fall, right? (laughs) Since it's, uh, we're approaching fall here where I live. Um, But I mean, you know, aside from that, I mean, I guess it could almost look like a sort of pumpkin. But I like that it's, you know, this peachy orange color, because first of all, it's very different from anything she wears. But Also, you know, it blends so well with the theme of the opera. You know, it's very much, you know, giving me Spanish tango vibes. You know, I think that that's the perfect dress. Like, if I ever dance a tango, if I'm not wearing that dress, I'm going to be really mad. So, Uh, 24, Wandering Child is better as a duet and not a trio. I think it depends on who's singing for me. Um, With the duet, you can... There's one less voice so you can hear the Phantom and Christine better. But with the trio, if you have three voices that blend well and don't overpower one another, it can sound very good. Um, But then again, you know, you got to have sort of the magic combination. (laughs) You got to have voices that don't overpower one another. Um, So, you know, I I can see it both ways. It originally was a trio, um, on the cast recording, the original cast recording. Um, and then, you know, it was a duet for some years in the U.S. and in other productions, and now almost everywhere it's, it's a trio again, so they've sort of gone up and back. Um, I mean, I think, especially for people who might not know all the lyrics or who are seeing it for the first time, the duet might be better because you can understand the lyrics a bit more. Um, I I really don't have a preference. Um, You know, I guess it's all up up to who's listening. I don't have a preference, you know, when I have seen it on Broadway in the last few years. They've done the trio. I enjoy it. But then again, I'm just happy to be there. (laughs) You know, I'm just so happy to be at the theater and be like, oh, my God, it's so pretty. All right. And the last one. The ending of Love Never Dies is sad, but it's the only one that makes sense. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of different endings that could make sense or could be possible, but I also agree that how the ending is, is the one maybe that makes the most sense. Because think about it. First of all, if you had like Gustav dying or something, that would be like too traumatizing. (laughs) But... By, and this is a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, so if you haven't, have have a good day. I wish you all the best and you all the love. Um, but, spoiler alert, by Christine dying, you know, Meg now has to suffer because of what she did to her best friend. Um, you know, Madame Giry has to, you know, be with Meg and suffer as well. The Phantom has to suffer, Gustave has to suffer, Raoul has to suffer. There's a lot of suffering and regret and guilt going around. And I feel like, you know, f- that's the only way that it makes sense with Phantom. <laughs> Everyone has to be suffering and sad and regretful. Um, you know, the innocent person has to sort of die. And I don't know why that makes sense to me, but I feel. But somehow it does And I feel like in if you look at Phantom And Love Never Dies Which is ironic, the title um, But when you look at Phantom You know, it's, it's dramatic You know, sort of Not entirely sad But, you know, a bit more solemn of a piece in a way I feel like Christine dying And, you know, her innocence sort of Dying as well It's sort of Makes sense in a way. I I don't know how to describe it, but it makes sense. And I think with a different ending, it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Because, you know, in Phantom, Christina's in the middle of everything and she suffers because of it. And then in Love Never Dies, she's in the middle of it and she's suffering again. So you know, by Christine having to be the one who's in the middle of it all and takes the bullet literally and dies, her suffering ends and now everyone else is suffering. But again, she was the one who was in the middle of it all. So it it makes sense, but I don't know why, but it does. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So this has been, this has been interesting. Um, you know, uh, these 25 unpopular opinions, they were very interesting. I agree with some. I don't agree with some. A lot of them were sort of yes and no. Um, but this has been fun, and I hope that you thought so as well. And remember, these are just opinions from other people and my own opinion slash response to them. It is not life-changing in any way, so... You know don't get too upset about it um some of these are on my instagram they're an instagram post so if you want to respond yourself to any you can go over to my instagram and um do so remember to be respectful um, of everyone's opinions and thank you for listening and as always i send you all my love bye